Welcome to The Soul Journey, where we will discuss the journey of people, authors, musicians, clergy, blue collar, white collar, and beyond, and find out what drives their journey. I'm Proverb Newsom. The Soul Journey starts right now. Welcome to The Soldier. Joining me on the show today is Alonzo Malvarez. Alonzo is a thinker, theologian, co-worker, friend, and he loves to make disciples of Christ. Did I leave anything out? <laughs> I think that's it. That, that covers it all? Yeah. All right, man. Cool. Well, welcome to the show, man. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> cool, man. I'm glad you're here. So we kind of talked about doing this podcast a while back, right? Yeah. And I told you I had this idea of doing a, an episode called Black Minds Matter, right? Black Minds Matter. And that all came about because we were talking one day and you referred to yourself as an intellectualist. So tell me what that means. Yeah. So I, I really, I can't believe I refer to myself as that because I feel like I'm at the bottom rung of the ladder, if you will, on that. Uh, but I do have a passion for for education, um, okay. especially uh, to empower communities in identity and who they are. So that wasn't me growing up in the public school education, but definitely the more I was able to explore the world, explore the community, see the diversity that is what we call our world, uh, it opened up my mind to explore more uh, in, in, in the realm of education. So all things of learning from theology through uh, human history, Christian history, uh, that's kind of like one of my loves and uh, why I kind of pursue what I do. Okay, so mm -hmm. even though there's an age difference between us, we kind of grew up similarly in the fact that I grew up and with older parents but went to like, got, got an all-white education, right? Mm -hmm. So I grew up in private school systems and all that stuff. You grew up in the public school system but you you have a very culturally diverse uh, home life. So tell me how your home life and growing up there and being in the public school system where it's predominantly African-American, uh, your school specifically, how that influenced your love for theology and culture. And uh, tell yeah. me how that, that, that came about. Yeah, so a little bit of my life narrative, it's kind of interesting. So I come from a family of immigrants. So on both sides, on my father's side, uh, immigrant, they immigrated uh, from Havana, Cuba, and on my mother's side, they immigrated from uh, the United Kingdom, and you know, my mom's uh, parents are Jamaican. So growing up in a diverse home, I was already uh, breaded in diversity. Now the interesting thing about my public school education is that in elementary school I went to a predominantly white school Okay. and then in my middle school time I transferred to a predominantly African-American school within our community and then in high school I went to a predominantly uh, Hispanic school uh, and so it, it, it really opened up my eyes to be really in a lot of different pools, a lot of different social narratives. And for me, I, I guess where my passion really came to the head when it was when I was in uh, college. Uh, so I went to a college w which was predominantly white. And definitely 
that was different for me, mm -hmm. uh, a lot different from elementary school because this was, you were definitely the, the minority. You you know, walking around campus, walking around your dorm. Right, it's not a were, surprise. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know that you were on the, more on the, the, the smaller group as, as, as opposed to living in West Palm Beach, Florida. I mean, you have your predominant race here and there, but you're always going to find someone that looks like you. Sure, right. And for me, during uh, my experience in, in, in college, I think what was a light bulb moment for me was a lot of the issues that started arising as it pertains to social justice. Okay. So thinking about the Trayvon Martin case, uh -huh. um, thinking about the various incidences that happened in, in, in North America as it relates to race relations and the social justice there and that really started me t started to open up my eyes um and the relationship that i had with my friends not that it changed our friendship mm -hmm. but knowing that they looked through a different lens than i did right and so yeah. certain things that were a bother to me i i was curious to know why did it not bother someone else mm -hmm. Um, and, it, and it came, and it became obvious, uh, and so that opened up my eyes um, not just at the socio uh, socio political realm, but in the educational realm. I started realizing that a lot of what I've been taught was very one sided, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought Columbus was a superhero. <laughs> I thought you know various individuals uh, uh, throughout our history and. I, I begin to realize, because I, I studied, uh, theology was one of the disciplines that I focused on, but I studied that even, I, I realized that even in my education, how not a lot was being said about the black narrative. So I found myself with this self-realization of where do I fit? Mm -hmm. yeah. where, where, where do my people fit in all of this? And... Uh, you know that that started me. That started to 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 cause me to go on this journey of self discovery first and foremost. Right. But then also to take a look at the grand narrative. And I was actually talking about this uh, with someone else uh, coming out of college, now working uh, in an awesome inner city ministry. Many uh, many of of I hate to say our people, but I'm just only speaking from my my perspective. Sure. African Americans. They're asking that same question, where do we fit? Yeah, culturally, I mean, what's going on in the news, what's happening in our country, what's going on in the neighborhoods, it's it's a prominent question with, with African Americans right now. Yeah. So it's it's not a bad question to ask. Yeah, absolutely. And I the the more I begin to like I said, self discover and then also look at the grand narrative, the more I started to cultivate a passion for intellect. Mm -hmm. because I realized for 12 plus years in the public school education for four you know year plus years in uh, the, the academic world of college and an undergrad I realized that I was robbed mm. I realized that there was a huge chunk of history that I did not get to explore mm -hmm. and in a lot of ways I felt like the inheritance that belonged 
to who to who I am as a black man yeah. was was t was was taken from me. So let me ask you a question. So you you said you felt like you were robbed and you didn't get to explore a huge chunk of your you know your African American narrative. Now was that because schools didn't introduce you so that you felt like you had your appetite wet and wanted to know more, or that they just skipped over it completely and you found out later like why wasn't I told? I I'm very careful to point the fingers of the blame. Mm -hmm. However, um, I, I even encourage the people to uh, who are listening um, to take a survey, you know, whether they have uh, kids of their own or even in their own lives. For my own sake, and, and even in the inner ministry that I see that I serve, you know, ask the question, all right, we're going to talk about black history. What's your, what's, what's, what's the earliest you can go in black history? <laughs> and it's always the transatlantic slave trade. Like right. that's, that's, that's the first Middle passage. Notion, the middle passage. Yeah. That's the first thing that they can think about. All right, so who is a uh, African-American leader that you can uh, uh, say that uh, made a profound impact? And it's always Mark. Yeah, Little Wayne. Wayne. <laughs> Little Wayne, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, Little Wayne nowadays. But, but yeah, absolutely that. Or, or you know, it, it's, it's like Dr. Martin Luther King. And, and th there was so much more. There was yeah, so much more uh, uh, to it than transatlantic slave trade that there was so much more than dr martin luther king and knowing that in every sphere of influence mm -hmm. um in every social uh, uh construct uh whether it's theology whether it's literacy whether it's business you can name it that african americans have played a significant role yeah and it just didn't happen when they got on a slave ship and were brought to a new continent and they were, were told what to do. Right, right, right. And I agree with that, man. I, I One of the things that I, I love most about old school hip hop mm. is because like you, you know, I grew up in a, in a pretty much private school system, private education school system from first grade through college, really. And so the, the black history that I got was just what you're talking about, Middle Passage, Dr. King, and very few other prominent leaders were talked about unless they were talked about in a negative light. So when I discovered hip hop and, and, and groups like Boogie Down Productions and my man KRS-One, the teacher, props to him, educated me through music. And so that I was like, wow, who are these people? And had to go look and find out who they were. And so the music helped me develop a hunger to educate myself about my culture. And I think that's what's missing right now. People, kids um, are so content to live in the present state of whatever it is, and they're not willing to dig back to see what the foundation is they're standing on. They are just, I'm here, this is all I care about from my, from, from my point on forward. I don't care about the past, slavery doesn't affect me, Jim Crow doesn't affect me, none of that affects me or can touch me and they're kind of living life in kind of a, a deception, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah and, and you can't blame them. I, I mean, the reality is, and, and I'm looking from a historical perspective, that, that's how I like to take my approach. You know, um, there's that quote that if we don't know our history, then we're bound to repeat it. Yeah. And I believe that's a powerful quote because even looking at, Let's, let's, let's go back to um, the grand narrative of, of black folk, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, 
you're you're talking about since the 1600 years worth of dialogue whether it was in the 1600s when Pope Leo put out you know a, a decree that Africans were savages okay and so now um, use the gospel if you will to go into the western shores of uh, Africa and to enslave these you know savage people with the gospel which we now know that was just a uh, pretty way of the Catholic Church and this is not a blame it's just history history for what it is. yeah history speaks um, for itself yeah yeah to say that you know the, souls of black folks are equivalent to cattle so we have to you know use the gospel to save them if you will so you have that from the religious standpoint then you have the biological standpoint from Charles Darwin coming in and saying that Africans are closely related to the primates mm. and so from a scientific from the age of enlightenment you have science speaking that um, that the souls of black folks, that the biological makeup of black folks, if you will, I apologize, uh, essentially is not that important as it relates to their white counterparts. Mm -hmm. And so you have this ever uh, ring echo that black souls, black lives, black minds, if you will, mm -hmm. don't matter. Um, speaking speaking about the the black minds, I mean that's what Charles Darwin was was trying to to pilot, not on the biological standpoint, but even from the mental st standpoint that even their psyche um, doesn't you know constitute the same equivalence of of another uh, you know white individual uh, because they're they're closer to, to to the primate, and so you have this long history of 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 science and religion broken if you will not pointing fingers but just broken if you will being passed down you then you have slavery then you have Jim Crow then you have segregation of saying okay whites can use this blacks can use this because whites have uh, more if you will of a, of a of an importance so they get to use the special water fountain with all the bells right. and whistles yeah and yeah. so I, 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 I say from historical uh, um, in a historical way that a lot of the the, the pain a lot of the misunderstanding uh, in the grand narrative of black folks was then passed on to the next generation. Right. Yeah. And so now you're in the 21st century. Yes, we have um, gotten rid of uh, the slavery as we know it. Um, we got rid of Jim Crow laws. If you And, and I don't want to get into a discussion of just like <laughs> gentrification, redlining, sure, and stuff. Because sure. that could be... Um, Modern day slavery. Yeah, yeah. Could and, be. and systemic racism, if yep. you will. But nonetheless, you have a culture of 21st century millennials where they really succumb to the reality of, like, they really don't care. Right. And so if they don't care, then they're, all they really see is, is, is not intellectualism, but the, the quick and easy life. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, whether it's rap star, modern day rap stars mm -hmm. or... Um, athletes, that's all they see as the epitome of blackness yeah. is my athleticism and my musical capabilities and they don't know that there's so much more than just machines to be used sure. to be um, profited on, if you will, for entertainment purposes yeah. and know that they can be more, that they can do more and so you have this self-defeated mentality, they may not uh, subscribe and say that's what it is, mm -hmm. but their actions speak to it. You talk to them 
and all they want to do is just make money as fast and as quick as they can and not know that they're just more than just profitable bodies that can produce um, entertainment for, for, for many other people. So let's talk about that, right? Mm -hmm. So would you say that modern-day uh, African-Americans equate financial independence and, and wealth with what we deem as freedom? So if mm -hmm. an athlete or a rap star or just somebody who happened to make it big in business is now wealthy, do they see it as, oh, well, those people are rich, so they don't really have to answer to anybody. Jim Crow doesn't touch them. Our, our savage past of you know the way America has treated uh, African Americans does not touch them, cannot touch them, won't affect them going forward. So do you think that's why they try to attain that? Hmm. That's a good question, Mr. Proverb. <laughs> that's why yeah. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> to ask the hard, good questions. Yeah. Oh, man. Wow. I, I, the philosophy of the age is the American dream, right? You, you work hard as, as best as you can to, to, to get as much as you can so you can show off as, 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 as frequently as you, as you can to others. And, yeah, African-Americans, we like the ideal, but I dare not say it's just us. I mean, so many mm -hmm. culturally wide, we subscribe to that get-rich-fast scheme. Right. And sometimes it looks different than others. Right. You know? Uh, but nonetheless, when many have lived a life of limitations, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where they have dealt with the cruelty of a social worker or getting government assistance, when they have to deal with waiting for the first of the month for that check to come through or food stamps to be to be reloaded they see the struggle of of their parent of a, of a grandmother and there's always that hope of I wish I can do more or I wish I can be more and North America if we're not careful uh, and I love this country in, in a lot of ways and I'm grateful to be a part um, of it but we have to be careful of subscribing to the philosophies of the the answer to all this is to get rich. Right. You know, yeah. and you're you're right. It, it's 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 not a true philosophy. It's a very broken, very de deceiving philosophy mm -hmm. of you know as that as that phrase says you know get rich or die uh, you know get rich fast or die hard trying or something get, yeah yeah get and, rich or die trying or die trying you know and so, what up fitty yeah <laughs> and so um the, the reality is we're, we're chasing something that is it's it's essentially vanity if, yeah. if i could use that word we're, we're not we're not doing what we can to ma maximize our potential because we think it's all monetary and I mean is money good yeah like you know it's, it's good so it can get us out of you know a lot of financial limitations but that's just one aspect right mm -hmm. and I'm not trying to get all philosophical now but nevertheless it's, it's more than just I need to get this money so that I can be free um, it, it's a lie, and it, it needs to be debunked. Right, right. And the reason I the reason I narrow the question down to black people, because you're right, uh, in the narrative of the American dream, it is immigrants come from wherever, whoever, all over the world come here because opportunity is great, 
if you work hard enough, you can be successful, you can make it. The reason I narrowed it down to the, to the African-American perspective is what you said when we were talking about history, right? All that stuff, all the narrative of us being less than was passed down from generation to generation. You can only climb the ladder this high. You can only go this high. And so all that's passed down. But now with anybody really that's African-American thinking, if I get wealthy enough, I can surpass all that and none of it matters. Uh, because I think that we think on a grand scheme that wealth supersedes any accountability to anybody. And if we get enough wealth, we don't have to be accountable. And I hope that's not the way that we're thinking, um, black people. I hope that's not the way that we're thinking because you're always going to be accountable to somebody. Wealthy, you're going to be accountable to the IRS. Ask Wesley Snipes, ask Red Fox, ask Willie Nelson, he's white, but ask him too because he couldn't hide when they came knocking on his door. All right, so you got to be accountable to somebody, and ultimately, we're all accountable to God. So, uh, wealth does not supersede accountability. Accountability is there regardless. So, we talked about black minds mattering and black, you know, all that stuff. If Christ was here, and I want to, I want to take it here. Okay. If Christ was here walking the earth, would he say that black lives matter? Of course. Of and course. What makes you think that? Because he he, <laughs> he died for them. <laughs> okay, all right. He, he died for humanity. I, you know, and I'm saying this to Mr. Proverb as I have a very comical white portrayal of Jesus on my wall <laughs> um, <laughs> that, I'm looking, <laughs> that I'm looking at right now. Um, but the European icon, yeah, the I'm model, like, yeah. European icon. So that's for another time. But, yes, I, I don't think I need to expound upon that, Mr. Pro, right. uh, Prof. Uh, I, 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 yes. Of course, he would say he would say that their lives matter. He would say that Asian Asians would matter, Native Americans, Indian. Of course, he would say that Black Lives Matter. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to ask. Yeah, I just wanted to ask. You know, because when you, when yeah. you look around at at the way yeah. that things are, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. Uh, and see that the way that things are, you you know, because he is not here physically. Yeah. We know that, but he's here spiritually. He's here. And the things that are, that go on, one would have to ask that question, especially mm-hmm. someone who who isn't a you know faith friendly or not even a believer. They would probably say, "Man, you know, it doesn't appear that Jesus even cares about black people." Mm-hmm. Just by looking at what they can see, what's tangible, what what's visible. The, if this country doesn't care, why would Jesus care? And he's not even here. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to raise the question. But your your statement is that he cares because he died for everybody. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, 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 I understand that many of us kind of perceive our, our, our reading of the Bible as some type of North American uh, origination mm-hmm. of our literature. And like I said, we have inherited that truth. And you talk so so one of the things that you said is that we equate we equate it and hope I don't misquote you that freedom is through money and through wealth. Mm-hmm. I would like to say in a lot of in a lot of ways, yes, first and foremost, freedom is in Christ, um, as the word of God says that who the Son of God, which is Jesus Christ, sets free is free indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. But I'll even take it a step further. That's that's preeminent in, in, in my thought process. But but knowledge and 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 gaining 
the truth is freedom, right? Um, and so Jesus says uh, that they shall know the truth and that the truth shall set them free. And our ignorance has, has been our own depravity for, for everyone. Yeah. And because we all we see is a, is a is if, excuse me, if you will, uh, some people might be offended, but we see a white God. We see a white Jesus. And we believe that, you know, God is a Republican, white male uh, that has a white beard and uh, has his own, uh, you know, political agenda. We believe uh, that in like manner that God doesn't care for us in that matter because that's what's been portrayed uh, to us within our own North American lens. But to go beyond that, like I said, through 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 education and getting into God's word and ultimately allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal that to your heart, you see that God is intentional for all people groups Mm -hmm. and for all social and economical narratives and backgrounds. And so I'm getting loud and passionate. No, it's it's all good, man. Listen, we're talking about a journey and and it's all good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and, and so so we, we have to recognize that 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 God is is more than um, than than this North American powerhouse uh, that is just on the top rung of the ladder. But we realize that who God is, He is someone that chooses sides, and it's the side of not the oppressor, but is the side of the oppressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, James uh, Baldwin made a statement. He says that. Whites understand the cross by way of the Bible, but blacks understand uh, the Bible by way of the cross. That's good. And, and, and in a lot of ways, um, you know, we, we, we fail to understand that that the way that God chooses to reveal his nature ultimately wasn't through money, wasn't through um, a, a particular uh, a people group per se, but it was through the passion of, of suffering, that he chose the side of the oppressed, mm-hmm. that he chose the side of, of the one that 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 has really submitted themselves to the to to the cruelties of this world, and in a lot of ways, that's where African Americans can kind of find identity in in the gospel because yeah. they see themselves on the side of Jesus, right. and when we realize that we understand that um not that we have this victim type of mentality but 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 christ himself throughout history throughout human history has always been on the side of the one who has been taken advantage Mm -hmm. of and so yes it's not just jesus cares about black lives but he chooses in a lot of ways to choose to, to to pick the side of, of the one that's been oppressed to pick the one to pick the side of the one who ha, who knows what it is to 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 be misunderstood if you will right uh, and so and yeah, you can man. see that mm-hmm. all throughout scripture you can you can definitely see Jesus mm-hmm. choosing the side of those who are oppressed choosing the sides of those who are uh, being mistreated uh, be it a handicapped people be it uh, widows be it orphans you can see that. And I think that when we look at the Bible, we always want to look at it through the lens of it's the Bible. But really, it is a historical book. So everything in there happened. So if we were to get into a spaceship 
right? Yeah. Or a time machine. Yeah. Not a spaceship, but a time machine. And go back about 2,000 years, real time, get off. We would land in a, in a, in a time-space continuum where Jesus actually existed on the earth. And we would actually be able to see the narratives that we see and read about and have been told in the Bible happening right yeah. in real time mm -hmm. because it really did happen so the bible is an actual historical book it's not just some book that christians believe and hope that happened and put faith in this book it's a theological book it's historical it's factual it happened so when jesus actually cared about the orphan he was telling us it's important for us if we're his followers to care about the orphan it's important for us to care about the widow. It's important for us to care about those who are suffering injustices. It's important for us as Christians to care about those who are being mistreated. It was his life was a template of all Christians that came after, right? Mm -hmm. So it is important for us as Christians to care about that stuff as he cared about that stuff. So I agree with what you're saying. Let's see, where can we go from here? You mentioned the university you went to yeah. uh, and how you know there was uh, black theological representation yeah. was missing. Yeah. And so uh, you, being an activist and being a thinker, um, asked the question, the, the obvious question, why? And then what did you do about that when you asked that question? I started running. And, 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 and not running away from the situation, but running towards it. Okay. And I, I definitely was that student in class that challenged the status quo. Okay. Why, why are the pictures this color? Uh, the pictures of our church fathers and <laughs> historical leaders. Kind of like do the right um, thing. Hey, how come ain't no brothers up on the wall, Sal? Exactly. Yeah. And I wasn't afraid to, to do that because, number one, I was paying for it. But number two, to, to, to challenge the status quo. So, so the college I went to was, was in, you know, the southern, called the Bible Belt, right? Mm -hmm. and, and many of yep. it is, you know, the guns and country and North American... Confederate you know, flags. Confederate flags, and yeah. But, you know, I, I was the one that, that, in a lot of ways, whether... Um, I, I wanted to challenge the mindsets of, of my environment. And whether you want to call it as, as insurrection or whatever, I just feel like... In, in a lot of ways, there's so many people that need to be exposed to this. Mm -hmm. And like I said, this is what I was paying for, but at the same time, this is what was giving to me. That the way I perceived church history from a theological and biblical perspective was mo mostly, if I may use the term, whitewashed. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, that the most greatest thinkers, if you will... You know, are the Martin Luther's, the Cowar, uh, Martin Luther, or the John Calvin, or the Karl Barth, or these uh, various individuals who are wet, or who are you know white Europeans? But you know, the first time I was introduced to black theology was in one class for forty-five minutes, and that's you know forty-five minutes out of three years. I mean, wow. you know, we, we got to do better than that. Wow. And, and it, it wanted. It, I, I had a hunger. I, I started pursuing more because one thing that I, I will say is, you know, I don't want anyone to go away from this 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 podcast and believe that specifically African Americans are not intellectuals uh, or or not not intelligent because they are, um, and specifically in 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 Christianity, in the twenty first century, prov we have 
a lot of, of, of African Americans that are seeking out truth. Yeah. And they're seeking about it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And so many of them are leaving their grandma's church because, you know, they got that picture of white Jesus in grandma's house and they have this, this misconception of who God is, uh, as, as you talked about minutes earlier. But they don't want to subscribe to the religion because all they believe is Western colonialism. Right. That, that's, that's how it's the white man's religion. And, and that's a conversation for another time. But nevertheless, they don't see them, their, their blackness a part of the Bible and church history. Because all they see, like I said, are the figures mentioned uh, before. But I started to realize that Africans have been part of the story long, long ago. Yeah. You go back to the Exodus, and, and, and these are stuff that I didn't even realize. And, you know, you realize, number one, Moses' wife was black, <laughs> okay, um, from, from, a, from a black, uh, she was from, from, from Kush, which is which is a, a country in the African you know a continent with within Egypt in the that dark area. continent the dark, yeah, yeah 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 she's from that which is an interesting story because there were individuals that um, you know criticized Moses for marrying a, a, a dark a darker woman but anyway uh, you got to read that a little bit later um, and, and how even in the Exodus that when the children of Israel even transitioned out of Egypt that there were a mixed group of people that followed them within the exodus as well Mm -hmm. which was really really great and there's so much um old testament that i can't even go into but even into the new testament right um that (laughs) that even uh in the days of jesus that when jesus was carrying uh the cross uh to calvary that we see a man um from cyrene simon simon the cyrene who who is uh, cyrenes are, are were Africans at that time that that came alongside like just just the beautiful imagery just gets me excited that came alongside Jesus to bear the burden along with him in this passion narrative you even see that that the writer of the gospel of Mark um, was from the African continent and and him um, uh, being the as, as you know in church history the apostle of, of, of Africa knowing that the most the most prominent gospel letter the gospel of mark uh was piloted by a black dark-skinned first century uh jewish uh a uh, man uh, 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 that's a beautiful thing to know that in in acts chapter 2 the fulfillment of joel 2 22 that the spirit of uh the spirit of god will fall upon all flesh that in the list uh, in the list of uh of, of individuals named um that you know when when the people began to speak in tongues that there were mm. egyptians and sirens mm. and all the, the majority of those people in that crowd were were from the african continent yeah and 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 i can go on and on to to know that that we played a role in biblical history and even in church history when we look at the count the councils of nicaean when we look at saint um augustine mm. and tertullian these were African bishops, okay? Wow. These these were men of color. Wow. And it's hard for us to believe that because because of the Renaissance age, because of of of, because of, know, the narrative. of, of the narrative that's yeah. been portrayed to us, that we have been part of the picture long ago. Oh my goodness, I'm sorry, Prof. I get so excited about this. But <laughs> nah, but even in good. history, you know, the, the oldest church, which is the Coptic church in Ethiopia was a that ethiopia was was a christian nation it didn't have it was a nation of christians but in the uh second and and third uh century that the northern uh part of africa and in that continent it was richly richly christian 
while the, you know, uh, Romans and Greeks are, you know, worshiping uh, Odin and mm. Zeus and Hercules. Sure. You already got Africans, and, and, and you can even go to Africa and go to the Coptic churches and see um, portrayals in their icons of, of the apostles and Jesus with dark skin and with an afro. Wow. You know, that, 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 that's, that's history out there, mm. um, the Coptic writings and, and, and various things like that. This was part of it way before colonialism, way before the infiltration of many of the Renaissance arts and et cetera. And I can go on and on and on, but many of us don't know that, Prov. Right, right, right. Because we're only getting, or we, we've only gotten yes. one side of yes. the story. Right. And yes, and, and that is why we find ourselves with many of the cults in our culture, sure. such as, you know, you know, I, I, the, the black Hebrew Israelites sure, and, right. you know, the nation of Islam and stuff like that. And, and you know, the, the truth is we, we all know, you know, and hey, I may be persecuted but, um, by it. You know, we, we know it's not truth, but these this didn't just happen out of thin air. Yeah. You know, many of these of these African-Americans didn't don't know about this and they have a hunger for intellectualism that was not being rightly fed to them because all they know was what they were given yeah and yeah. unfortunately that's where we find ourselves where, where we are so they're not and, and they, they, it, because no one has been able, and, and when I say no one, I'm talking about our academic institutions. Sure, right, you know, absolutely. Because of our academic institutions that refuses to celebrate that diversity, mm -hmm. to, to uh, on, on both, uh, not just Christianity, but in, in every sphere of influence, we now subscribe to a lie that we feel now relates to us. And it breaks my heart, Proverb, because... Like I said, we we those those brilliant minds they could use, uh, and if you if you and then I've met them I've encountered you know uh, uh, um, you know someone from the nation of Islam and and, uh, and uh, you know black Hebrew Israelites and, and so many other people they're they're really brilliant men no but doubt, they're yeah. but they're wrongfully have been educated right you know and you can be brilliant yeah. and you can be sincerely wrong yeah at the same time. Yeah. Uh, you can believe in something passionately, but because you're passionate about it doesn't make it absolute truth. It just makes you passionate about absolutely the wrong thing yeah. and believing in something that's not absolute truth. Yeah. And I believe that, you know, Christianity, 100%, do I believe that Christ is the Son of God? 100%. Do I believe that he died for everybody, not just whites? 100%. Do I believe he cares uh, about black people and what black people are going through, not only when he was alive, but right now in current day America, I do believe he cares about that. Because he cares, we should care, especially if we're believers in Christ. Because being a Christian, Christ follower, means that we care about what he cares about. And if he cares about people that are getting mistreated, Christians should do no less. Yeah. No yeah. less than that. Yeah. And um, I, I told this once to a guy who had an issue with uh, the portrayal of Jesus. Jesus is white. All the pictures that we see is Jesus white and whatever. And so what I said to him was this. Look, if you were in a burning house on the third floor and a fireman ran up there, risked his life, never seeing his family again, snatched you out with the expense of his own life, brought you out, gave you oxygen mask, 
and now you stand, breathe, and live because of that guy. And then when he takes off his mask, he's white. Does that make the act of heroism that he did any less than if he was black? And the answer should be no, right? It should be no. You should not care. You're alive. It doesn't matter if a black man did it, a white man did it, an Indian man did it. It really doesn't matter. The fact is you're alive and you owe him your life. So really, Christianity is the same thing. It really doesn't matter. We, we need to stop focusing on what color Christ is because we need to focus on the act that he did. Yeah. And the act that he did was sacrificially he gave up his life for ours yeah. and exchanged his holiness for our filthiness. And that's the focus. Yeah. Not on, yeah. well, he's white, so he doesn't relate to me, or I'm black, so I don't relate to a white guy. The fact is he exchanged his life for yours, whether black, white, indifferent, doesn't really matter. That's what the focus should be, and I think the focus has gotten way off that. Yeah, uh, and you know, I, I'm glad that we brought this right back to to the gospel because that is the beauty of the gospel. Um, that's what made Jesus' life so uh, beautiful, but at the same time so destructive to the powers that be at his uh, at his age. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there, there was a there was a quote, uh, there was a statement in the Word of God where. Um, a prominent leader, if you will, at the time, uh, made a statement, um, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Right. Yep. And the whole life <clears throat> narrative that God chooses to reveal himself to humanity was this poor, low-income, inner city, if you will, uh, Nazarene, who grew up, but at the same time came to rescue and came to reconcile all of humanity back to the heart of God. Right. And, you know, you're talking about Jesus living today. I don't think Jesus today would be in many of the social constructs that we believe he could fit in. Um, you know, he, he definitely would probably come from, um, you know, those blank hole countries or um, from a an environment that we would deem less likely to be fitting for a God. But he chose to do that. He came in... Uh, but he also, like you said, rescued us from the grips and from the powers of sin to be. So, um, you know, I, I just really encourage all those who who, who are listening um, to ultimately open your heart to the truth of God. As the Word of God says, uh, that they shall know the truth and the truth shall set them free. Uh, yes, I believe that, that black minds matter, and we must do what we can to, to, to join in the journey to educate ourselves, educate the generation that comes after us, know, letting them know that their black minds are beautiful, that they do matter, and that they too play a beautiful picture and a beautiful role in um, the story of God and who he is to the world. Dude, thanks for joining us. This was a great conversation. Uh, I didn't even get to a lot of the stuff that I wanted to talk to you about, but it was a great conversation. Yeah. And maybe we should do it again. Yeah. Um, so we will we will definitely plan on doing that again. We'll call it Black Minds Matter Part Two, Part two. and uh, we'll get to we'll get to who your favorite theologian is, oh, and uh, we'll get to uh, we'll get to music even. Yeah. We'll get to yeah. we'll get to talk about some of that stuff and uh, mm -hmm. some other stuff too. Yeah. So thank you guys for joining us here on the Sojourn. It's been a great 
show. Thank you, Alonzo Mavarez. Thank you. Uh, where can people find out more about you? Oh, yeah. All right, great. So you can follow me on Twitter at Dunamis. That's D-U-N-A-M-I-S Malvarez. Uh, or, and you can find me on all social medias, Instagram, uh, Twitter. And, uh, yeah, they can find me out through there. All right, man, great. So we'll see you all next time. This has been The Sojourn. I'm Proverb News. That's a wrap for this episode of The Sojourn. Hopefully you learned something, were inspired, and motivated to begin a journey of your own. Please email me your comments, questions, or even suggestions for my next guest at proverb.newsome at gmail.com. Once again, that's proverb.newsome at gmail.com. This has been The Soldier. Remember, life is a journey. Enjoy the trip.